Chapter Twenty Eight of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Eight: The Sunday Murder. Banks' posse, leaving Medicine Bend before daybreak, headed northwest. Their instructions were explicit: to scatter after crossing the Frenchman, watch the trails from the Goose River country and through the Mission Mountains and intercept everybody riding north until the posse from sleepy cat or whispering smith should communicate with them from the southwest nine men rode in the party that crossed the crawling stone sunday morning at sunrise with ed banks after leaving the river the three white-capped saddles of the mission range afford a landmark for more than a hundred miles and toward these the party pressed steadily all day the southern pass of the missions opens on the north slope of the range into a pretty valley known as mission springs valley and the springs are the headwaters of deep creek the posse did not quite obey the instructions and following a natural instinct of safety five of them after banks and his three deputies had scattered bunched together and at dark crossed deep creek at some distance below the springs it was afterward known that these five men had been seen entering the valley from the east at sundown just as four of the men they wanted rode down south mission pass toward the springs that they knew they would soon be cut off or must cut their way through the line which ed banks ahead of them was posting at every gateway to williams cache was probably clear to them four men rode that evening from tower w through the south pass the fifth man had already left the party the four men were headed for williams cache and had reason to believe until they sighted banks men that their path was open they halted to take counsel on the suspicious-looking posse far below them and while their cruelly exhausted horses rested de sang always in sinclair's absence the brains of the gang planned the escape over deep creek at bag's crossing at dusk they divided two men lurking in the brush along the creek rode as close as they could unobserved toward the crossing while du sang and the other cowboy carg known as flatnose rode down to bag's ranch at the foot of the pass at that point dan baggs an old locomotive engineer had taken a homestead got together a little bunch of cattle and was living alone with his son a boy of ten years it was a hard country and too close to williams cash for comfort but dan got on with everybody because the toughest man in the cash country could get a meal a feed for his horse and a place to sleep at bags without charge when he needed it ed banks by hard riding got to the crossing at five o'clock told bags of the hold-up and the shooting of oliver sollers the news stirred the old engineman and his excitement threw him off his guard banks rode straight on for the middle pass leaving word that two of his men would be along within half an hour to watch the pass and the ranch crossing and asking bags to put up some kind of a fight for the crossing until more of the posse came up at the least to make sure that nobody got any fresh horses 
the boy was cooking supper in the kitchen and bags had done his milking and gone back to the corral when two men rode around the corner of the barn and asked if they could get something to eat poor bags sold his life in six words why yes be you banks men Dusang answered no we're from sheriff coon's office in oroville looking up a bunch of duck bar steers that's been run somewhere up deep creek can we stay here all night they dismounted and disarmed bag's suspicions though the condition of their horses might have warned him had he had his senses the unfortunate man had probably fixed it in his mind that a ride from tower w to deep creek in sixteen hours was a physical impossibility stay here sure i want you to stay said baggs bluffly looks to me like i seen you down at crawling stone ain't i he asked of carg carg was lighting a cigarette i used to mark at the dunning ranch he answered throwing away his match that's it good the boy's cooking supper step up to the kitchen and tell him to cut ham for four more four two of ed bank's men will be here by six o'clock heard about the hold-up they stopped number three at tower w last night and shot ollie sollers as white a boy as ever pulled a throttle boys a man that'll kill a locomotive engineer is worse'n an indian i'd help skin him the hell you would cried Desang. well don't you want to start in on me i killed sollers look at me ain't i handsome what are you going to do about it before bags could think Desang was shooting him down it was wanton Desang stood in no need of the butchery the escape could have been made without it his victim had pulled an engine throttle too long to show the white feather but he was dying by the time he had dragged revolver from his pocket dusang did the killing alone at least flatnose who alone saw all of the murder afterward maintained that he did not draw because he had no occasion to and that bags was dead before he carg had finished his cigarette with his right arm broken and two bullets through his chest, Bags fell on his face. That, however, did not check his murderer. Rising to his knees, Bags begged for his life. For God's sake, I'm helpless, gentlemen. I'm helpless. Don't kill me like a dog. But Dusang, emptying his pistol, threw his rifle to his shoulder and sent bullet after bullet crashing through the shapeless form writhing and twitching before him until he had beaten it in the dust soft and flat and still bank's men came up within an hour to find the ranch house deserted they saw a lantern in the yard below and near the corral gate they found the little boy in the darkness screaming beside his father's body the sheriff's men carried the old engineman to the house others of the posse crossed the creek during the evening and at eleven o'clock whispering smith rode down from the south pass to find that four of the men they were after had taken fresh horses after killing bags and passed safely through the cordon banks had drawn around the pass and along deep creek bill dancing 
who had ridden with Bank's men, was at the house when Whispering Smith arrived. He found some supper in the kitchen, and the tired man and the giant ate together. Whispering Smith was too experienced a campaigner to complain. His party had struck a trail fifty miles north of Sleepy Cat and followed it to the missions. He knew now who he was after, and knew that they were bottled up in the cache for the night. The sheriff's men were sleeping on the floor of the living room when Smith came in from the kitchen. He sat down before the fire. At intervals sobs came from the bedroom where the body lay, and after listening a moment whispering Smith got stiffly up and, tiptoeing to still the jingle of his spurs, took the candle from the table, pushed aside the curtain, and entered the bedroom. The little boy was lying on his face with his arm around his father's neck, talking to him. Whispering Smith bent a moment over the bed, and, setting the candle on the table, put his hand on the boy's shoulder. He disengaged the hand from the cold neck, and sitting down took it in his own. Talking low to the little fellow, he got his attention after much patient effort and got him to speak. He made him, though struggling with terror, to understand that he had come to be his friend and after the child had sobbed his grief into a strange heart he ceased to tremble, and told his name and his story, and described the two horsemen and the horses they had left. Smith listened quietly. "'Have you had any supper, Danny?' "'No.' "'You must have something to eat. Can't you eat anything? But there's a nice pan of fresh milk in the kitchen.' A burst of tears interrupted him. Daddy just brought in the milk, and I was frying the ham, and I heard them shooting. See how he took care of you till the last minute, and left something for you after he was gone? Suppose he could speak now. Don't you think he would want you to do as I say? I'm your next friend now, for you're going to be a railroad man, and have a big engine. Danny looked up. Dad wasn't afraid of those men, wasn't he, Danny? He said we would be all right and not to be afraid, did he? He said Whispering Smith was coming. My poor boy. He is coming. Don't be afraid. Don't you know Whispering Smith? He's coming. The men tonight all said he was coming. The little fellow for a long time could not be coaxed away from his father, but his companion at length got him to the kitchen. When they came back to the bedroom, the strange man was talking to him once more about his father. We must try to think how he would like things done now, mustn't we? All of us felt so bad when we rode in, and had so much to do we couldn't attend to taking care of your father. Did you know there are two men out at the crossing now, guarding it with rifles? But if you and I keep real quiet, we can do something for him while the men are asleep. They have to ride all day tomorrow. We must wash his face and hands, don't you think so? And brush his hair and his beard. If you could just find the basin and some water and a towel. You couldn't find a brush, could you? Could you? Honestly? Well, I call that a good boy. We shall have to have you on the railroad, sure. We must try to find some fresh clothes. These are cut and stained. 
Then I will change his clothes, and we shall all feel better. Don't disturb the men. They are tired. They worked together by the candlelight. When they had done, the boy had a violent crying spell. But Whispering Smith got him to lie down beside him on a blanket spread on the floor, where Smith got his back against the sod wall and took the boy's head in his arm. He waited patiently for the boy to go to sleep, but Dan was afraid the murderers would come back. Once he lifted his head in a confidence. Did you know my daddy used to run an engine? No, I did not, but in the morning you must tell me all about it. Whenever there was a noise in the next room, the child roused. After some time, a new voice was heard. Kennedy had come and was asking questions. Wake up here, somebody. Where's Whispering Smith? Dancing answered. He's right there in the bedroom, Farrell, staying with the boy. There was some stirring. Kennedy talked a little and at length stretched himself on the floor. When all was still again, Danny's hand crept slowly from the breast of his companion up to his chin, and the little hand, feeling softly every feature, stole over the strange face. What is it, Danny? Are you whispering, Smith? Yes, Danny. Shut your eyes. At three o'clock, when Kennedy lighted a candle and looked in, Smith was sitting with his back against the wall. The boy lay on his arm. Both were fast asleep. On the bed the dead man lay with a handkerchief over his face. End of chapter 28